the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. In our studio, we have Tim Ballard, founder and CEO of... uh, Operation Underground Railroad and the chairman of the Nazarene Fund and Deandra Simmons. She is a Mercury One ambassador. Uh, She is uh, the chair, her and her husband at the Mercury One uh, Gala, which is happening November 17th. Uh, And we welcome them both to the studio. Hi. Hi. How are you? Great. So um, you became an ambassador for for Mercury One. How exactly? Well, my husband, who's um, a photojournalist, is Mm -hmm. also, he works with Mercury One, Mm -hmm. and he got me involved because I knew Suzanne, who was the executive director, still Mm -hmm. is, and he told me about what you all were doing to help women and children and persecuted Christians that had been captured by ISIS or Mm -hmm. their lives had been affected, and also refugees. Um, The reason I was interested in the story is because I am a survivor of domestic violence, Mm -hmm. and I felt like if I could go and talk to these women, maybe they would talk to me and tell me their stories, and maybe we could help them, Mm -hmm. and I could help translate that story with Suzanne. I was lucky enough to be able to go to Iraq uh, with my husband in September. How was that experience? I say lucky enough. I mean, lucky enough because it it was a very difficult experience, but something that I feel like... I can tell people about this and people in the United States don't understand. They don't even know what a Yazidi is. They don't know that um, about the Assyrian Christians and they don't know what's happening in the Nineveh plain and to see it firsthand. And then the very last day, Glenn, I mean, we were so blessed because the very last day, I remember it was about five or six at night and we got a call and they said, okay, there's a woman that was just rescued. And we we're going to go meet with her. Would you like to come? And so, of course, I mean, downstairs in five minutes, we went there. She did not want to talk to any men. She was completely ashamed. She was hiding her face, hiding her head. She was wanted to basically enter life, had tried to enter life. She was living in a two-room apartment with no furniture. She had no food. She had tea and biscuits, which she offered to us. She made us tea and biscuits when we got there. This This person had nothing. She had a Bible and a rosary. And she was obviously traumatized and shaken up. And this woman had at one point, we thought at the time had been sold about 10 times, but to be honest, she was sold 16 and she was captured in Mosul where she was an educated woman. She was 48 years old. She was working at the university and to be taken up by these monsters and sold 16 times. Can you imagine? I mean, this, it's not, this woman had an experience in life. She was older. She wasn't younger. And I guess she was probably, I would think when she was in captivity, I know a lot of them were held together. She was probably like the mother to some of these girls, but she was raped repeatedly. The first man man that bought her was a preacher, an ISIS preacher. So can you imagine? So he would go preach in the mosque and then rape her repeatedly. Then he also would give her cortisone injections and he would also give her the um, morning after pill saying it was birth control. Well, that actually affected her eyesight. So she has severe problems with her eyesight. At one point, she jumped off of a three-story building to avoid being raped by another man and broke her feet, her legs, and her back. Oh, my gosh. And she was cleaning houses for 25 people and preparing food, basically crawling around on the floor and cast on her legs. And this went on for about three years. Um, The end of her story, she was finally sold to somebody that sold her to someone um, that got her out. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, 
So she did get out. Um, when we met with her, she had just recently been freed and she had been um, uh, liberated by another organization. So Mercury One uh, took her case in and gave her food, gave, gave her you know, money and then helped her. Now she's going to immigrate to Australia. Hmm. They've given her counseling, obviously medical treatment. I mean, the first thing she said to me, and I remember when I talked to her and I, I went about it like this. Suzanne talked to her first and then I said to her, I said, I... I'm a survivor of domestic violence, and they were translating. She doesn't speak um, English. And I said, so I know pain. I don't know the kind of pain and what you went through, but I do know what it's like to be tortured and to be um, raped and treated in the way that you were treated, but not in captivity. I didn't want her to think I was marginalizing her experience, but she said to me with tears running down her face, she said, I know that you understand because I can see it in your eyes that you've been through something traumatic. So to be able to have that experience with her and then we, we talked to her and she, she started opening up. She has since had medical attention, but she's going to have to have a lot of female medical attention, which will be done in Australia. Basically, Mercury One has dealt with her, you know, physical injuries with regards to her breaking her legs and her back and her, her feet and everything. Mm. What I always do with the people I meet with, I always say, do you mind if I pray with you? And she was so willing to have us pray with her. And I just prayed that God would protect her and that he would give her hope. She was, I mean, she had, this is the most horrific view or image I have of being in that apartment. She still had that burqa hanging up, was hanging up from the ceiling in the corner. I don't know if she thought, well, I may have to go back. I mean, I better keep this in case somebody captures me again. I mean, the whole apartment, every window was covered. She couldn't go out. She was in hiding. To live like that 24 hours a day in hiding and you can't go out of your your apartment and to go to the, the store or something, you have to be careful. I mean, it's just she had no friends. She has no one. She's completely alone. She has no family that will take her in. She tried to go back to her family, but her family, of course, is a shame. So they won't take her in. So these women are trying to go back home to the relatives they have left and they're not taking them in because they've, you know, they're a scourge on the family or disgrace to the family, which that's a whole different story of education. I tried to, yeah. It's so bizarre that these are, um, I mean, the the culture is so different Mm -hmm. and here are good, faithful Christians, but the culture, I mean, to even have the conversation that you had with her, Mm It shouldn't have been had in that culture. Two women talking about this shouldn't have been happening. And it's it. I mean, these women, if if Mercury one or others don't get in, they're going to kill themselves because they have no place to go and to heal none. That was my big fear is that when we left, she wouldn't be able to hold on until we got help to her and repeated help and counseling my biggest fear for her because i know i've been there i know how bad it is when you're in a situation that's so abusive that you don't think you can go on and i I said to suzanne i said i don't know if this woman is going to make it i mean i know she's a christian and luckily and i'm a christian as well the christian faith you have a chance and you you don't feel like that's an option most times but when you've been in that desperate kind of situation i mean you just never know but I'm so glad now she's going to go to Australia. She's an educated woman. She's um, a woman that deserves another chance. I hope she makes friends over there and meets people that really embrace her and take her in. And I know that Mercury One is working 
on that and working towards that effort. But I just want to say that I applaud you for what you're doing because I didn't know. I was not educated. We do not talk about that in this country. Mm-hmm. We talk about that, you know, in a very small, oh, this thing is happening over there, but it doesn't affect us, so we don't need to worry about it. It does affect us. We do need to worry about it. the violence that these children are seeing when they're in captivity is destroying an entire generation after them and the generation after that after them as well. This needs to be stopped. They'd have to be counseled and rehabilitated. I mean, I even tried to talk to the Yazidi prince and say, you need to take these people back, these families. You have to be the leader. You know, that didn't go over so well. <laughs> and I believe that we have, oh, we probably shouldn't get on uh, on that, but I, um, well, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I, I, did, ma- um, I did make my case, though. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Um, you, when you first said you went over there, um, you were emotional. Mm-hmm. Why? What, what was, was it the woman or... What was it that moved you when you first started telling me this story? Of course, when you're going to meet with somebody who's also been through trauma, it brings up your trauma. But her trauma was so much more intense than what I went, my little problem. I'm calling it my little problem now because it's nothing like what she experienced. And to, I don't even know, Glenn, I really don't know how I would have lived through that situation. I don't think I could have. I mean, the fact that these women could live through this situation, have the strength that they have. And I I don't I don't I don't think since we come from such a privileged postural society and everything, I don't think that most women in America could deal with this, honestly. Mm. So that's that made me very emotional for her to talk about her story and share her story uh, with us. And I've since read a lot of books about these women and the experiences they've had. They're incredible, aren't they? Oh, my God. I just I can't imagine. So and it the. It kind of makes your faith feel a little hollow mm-hmm. here in America, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm a good Christian. You get over there and you're like, oh, my gosh. No, I'm, I mean, ooh, I don't even know if I'm Christian compared mm-hmm. to these people. That's, my faith would have been tested. I'm telling you, my faith would definitely have been tested had I lived through something like that. And um, the fact that she's still a Christian and she had her Bible and she was praying and had her rosary was such a testament to her belief system and that was a real testament to me as a Christian as to, I, I need to step up, step it up. <laughs> mm. so. um, Tim, tell me about your good news. Yeah, you know, an amazing thing happened a couple of days ago. Um, the very first operation that, we, that Operation Underground Railroad ever did, uh, that you, that your people, your audience funded this operation, uh, we went looking for that little boy, for the mm-hmm. little boy, the little boy Guardi in, in Haiti, in Port-au-Prince, mm-hmm. and found this horrible trafficking center that was that looked like an adopt, like like an orphanage, but of course it wasn't. It was a trafficking center. Went in there and bought these two little children. And we've talked about this story. There's a documentary about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, those two little kids um, really bonded with my wife and myself in the aftercare phases of the whole thing. And and we decided three years ago to adopt them. And it's been a long, difficult process. We're, we're trying to fix some of these adoption things. I know you talked about that on your show last week. Mm-hmm. We need to talk more about how we need to fix this. But we we broke through the bureaucracy and. And they came home three days ago. Wow. And they are so happy. They're so excited. Um, my, my son actually did a little video. We're going to show we're going to show this video on TV um, <laughs> and uh, we'll uh, share it online. But yeah, cute kids, beautiful kids. And they're just they're so grateful to be to be out of that situation and and in a, in a place. It's, it's the ultimate kind of aftercare story, you know, just heartwarming. If you want to help um, fund these projects and help um, rescue people um, 
and bring them out, literally out of slavery and out of darkness. You want to help the Christians and the Yazidis that have been um, feasted on by evil in the Middle East and the uh, ISIS. And now we have Iran and everybody else that likes to feast on them. Uh, and also all of the children, the women and the, um, the kids that are in sex slavery all around the world. Please, please get involved and become an abolitionist. And you could do that uh, at um, the Nazarene Fund dot org or our rescue dot org. Make sure you join us five bucks a month. Abraham Lincoln's face is on that five dollar bill. The ultimate abolitionist. Join the new abolitionists now. Do it at the Nazarene Fund dot org or O-U-R-OurRescue.org. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.